Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the secret sauce with my friend Mark McIntyre. How's it going, Mark? Good, Joe. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me today. It's really a pleasure to be on your show. It's my pleasure. We've blabbed for a long time and uh, used up all our time, but now we're doing the podcast probably 40 minutes late. But <laughs> anyway, Mark, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, I appreciate that. I am Mark McIntyre. I'm the Senior Vice President here at Emerge. I am calling you from uh, balmy Phoenix, Arizona. It's actually about 95 degrees today, and uh, it's hotter where I'm actually from, which is northwest Arkansas. Yeah, but so. it's but it's only eight o'clock over. <laughs> it is only eight o'clock. <laughs> it is only so it's it's rare to come to Phoenix to escape the heat of northwest Arkansas. But in, in this case, that's what I'm doing this week. That's the same. Like I've been to Florida this time of year, and I'm from Michigan, and a lot of times Michigan's hotter. Yeah, I mean. Hot is hot. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, so Mark, what do you do over at Emerge? So I joined Emerge in uh, January of this year. I am the uh, Senior VP of Operations. That means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But, but one thing I'm, I'm tasked with is originally building out a strategic account management program, which has now been launched, very much focused on that. Currently uh, also working on a customer advisory board build out uh, later this year. So just just things to strengthen relationships, strengthen partnerships, which I think really ties in well with what we're talking about today. Yep. So for those of people who are not familiar, what does Emerge do? Well, Emerge is, uh, is very unique in that our tagline and our elevator speeds are exactly the same. We are reinventing freight procurement. So we have built a technology around all things freight procurement, it's singularly focused on freight, no other commodities. And, and we're really trying to establish technology that enables shippers to more effectively, efficiently uh, speed matters in this, in this realm of freight management. And so to do that quicker really matters uh, to the bottom line of these shippers. And so we've definitely done that. We've got some incredible customers. We're on a journey. There's no doubt about it, but the, uh, the feedback while I've been here has been tremendous. Uh, we've, we've grown a lot over the last two or three years, and, and that continues to happen this year. So it's exciting times here. You know, we want to build out a, a marketplace uh, in North America that shippers and carriers alike can come to for their freight needs or their capacity needs. So that's that's also part of what we're doing here. But we are we are very much focused on reinventing freight procurement. And when you say reinventing freight procurement, that means finding carriers to move my loads, right? That's one piece of it. That's certainly one piece of it. You know, there's a lot of shippers out there that are still using spreadsheets, emails, you know, maybe they're dialing people that they've used in the past for rates. We're trying to automate all that for shippers. So finding capacity is definitely part of the equation, but you want to make sure that you're getting a a rate that is market competitive, one that stands the test of one that you can build compliance reporting around and which is incredibly important, as I'm sure you know, and, and just bring more carriers to bear. You know, I've, I've said for years, those who have the carriers win at the end of the day. Um, and then, so I think we're helping uh, bridge that gap for a lot of shippers. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us the back of the napkin career highlights. 
So I grew up in northeast Arkansas, a really small town. About I didn't know there was a northeast Arkansas. That was just northwest Arkansas. So there, there's definitely a northwest Arkansas. I call it the bubble. But uh, there, there is a northeast Arkansas as well. So, you know, really close to Jonesboro, Memphis area. Grew up there, have traveled a lot in my career. I've been in Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee, all throughout the South. Well, where'd you go to school? I went to Arkansas State University. Very nice. But when you're talking to your friends at the University of Arkansas, they will remind you quickly that I'm a Razorback, and uh, I'm actually on the board of their Supply Chain Management Research Center. So spent a lot of time with the University of Arkansas. Very nice. So, But you went to Arkansas State. What do they call themselves? When I went there, they were the Indians. They are now the Red Bulls. to change. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, that. There's the common change there. So, so what'd you study? I studied. You know, back then there was no supply chain management um, degree, so it was transportation and logistics. Mark, I've said this a few times on my podcast, probably too many times, but I remember I worked in automotive, and I remember a recruiter called me and got, got me on the phone, and I did a call with them. So, and they kept saying to me over and over again, "Yeah, they need a supply chain guy like you." to straighten out this mess. And they kept, you know, with your background in supply chain, and they kept saying it. And I was like, what the hell? I'm writing it down. Supply chain? What is that? And then right after I called a buddy of mine who was a recruiter, I go, what the hell is supply chain? <laughs> and he goes, you're in it. <laughs> and, and automotive is perhaps the biggest, baddest supply chain on earth. Yet we didn't call anything supply chain. I don't think until the 90s, probably. For sure. For sure. So, Anyway, where'd you go? Where was your what, give us some career path here before you joined the mighty emerge? You bet. So I, my career started at JB Hunt Transport, starting the term- good place to start. Yeah, a really good place. They had opened up a terminal in Dallas, Texas, and so I was part of a group that started a terminal there. Eventually, after a couple of years, moved up to their corporate office in Northwest Arkansas, and then you know moved to Florida, moved to Tennessee. After about six and a half years, left JB Hunt and went to work for Penske Logistics, where um, I was an area manager for their Mid-South region. You're just afraid to come up here in the cold. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sort of a Mason-Dixon line in South County, yeah. although I have spent a lot of time uh, in the north, northeast. Um, certainly with Penske uh, being based in Reading, spent a lot of time in Reading. Yeah, nice. But, but learned a lot there, You know, a lot of automotive uh, experience with Chrysler and GM, Saturn. And, and got my Six Sigma certification through General Electric. Law. So you were on the shipper side, so you know what that's like too. For sure, for sure. And then after about 11 years at Penske, uh, joined Transplace, moved a little bit, was in Memphis originally with Transplace, moved to uh, Dallas, and then ultimately got back to Northwest Arkansas and family decided to set the circus down. And we've now been in Northwest Arkansas for about 16 years, raised a family there. My oldest daughter starts college next week. So uh, it's been a great place to uh, raise a family, and, and you know we're really happy to be there. Yep. And by the way, I say this all the time because um, being older, I can say this, and I'm sure you lived this too, is you, you think 25, 30 years ago, people looked at Arkansas like this backwater, like, oh, my God, uh, Arkansas. And I have a cousin who, after he got his medical degree, he moved down to northwest Arkansas, and everyone's like, what? Where is he going? But the people down there, obviously Walmart, J.B. Hunt, I think Arc Best is down there, Tyson Foods. They have built, I think they needed to build a great city down there because they knew they had to attract a ton of talent. And now it has become a really great place to live. Now, I don't live down there, but by all counts, I just interviewed Donnie Williams from University of Arkansas, 
And um, by the way, I just interviewed um, Doug S. Uh, Doug from Walmart was his last name. I forgot now. But anyway, he's down there and he said he loves it down there. And he's from Nebraska. And he said, um, yeah, when, you know, when I lived here in 1988 with J.B. Hunt, there was very little infrastructure. There was really no reason to go north of Springdale. Now everything seems to be north of Springdale, except for the university. You know, the population growth has been tremendous for Branks, Fayetteville, and that area as one of the number one places to live in America. you got to really credit Tyson, J.B. Hunt, and Walmart for really making that happen. Walmart requires suppliers to live in northwest Arkansas, and I can't tell you how many times I've had suppliers tell me, you know, I moved here begrudgingly from L.A. or Chicago or New York or wherever. And, I'm not and, going and then they got there and they didn't want to leave, and, and they, haven't li- they haven't left, which has been a real a real boon for the area. Yeah, my, my dad was born here in Michigan, but he used to go down south, and uh, he used to always say, man, the north might have won the war. He goes, but... But the South won the peace. He goes, what a great place to live. <laughs> I'm sure when you talk to Donnie Williams, he reminded you that they were Gartner's number one rated supply chain school. So it's just. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. First off, those lists, they suck. But I'm 40 minutes. I'm 40 minutes from Michigan State, who claims number one also. But I will say there's a whole bunch of good supply chain schools where there didn't used to be any. And I would trust the ones here in Michigan because we do have automotive here. And, uh, but I would also trust the ones over there right by Walmart. For sure. For sure. It takes on, I think schools take on the uh, some of the expertise and experience of their regions. But anyway, so when and why did you join Emerge? You've been there, done that, got the hat. Well, you could have gone anywhere. I appreciate you saying that. You know, unfortunately, I feel like I started my career yesterday, but unfortunately, I'm on the latter half of my career. I mean, let's just be honest. And, you know, I've been at an asset base carrier, J.B. Hunt. I've been in a dedicated, very shipper-facing organization like Penske. And then I was at a third-party non-asset, you know, cut 3PL like Transplex. And so um, two things that always intrigued me. One was supply chain tech, and the other was being on the shipper side, like literally being in a shipper role. And so I started thinking about that probably mid to late year last year, we're really in a supply chain tech renaissance period. Oh, yeah. Supply chain. It's a daunting task to keep up with all the ever-changing environment with supply chain technology. And so that was very intriguing to me. And uh, so, you know, just through happenstance, really, our president and Emerge, George Abernathy, and I worked together at Chance Place, and we connected late last year. And He was on the board at Emerge. Originally, that was how he got with Emerge. He's now the president and also a board member at Emerge. And he, he called and we were catching up November, December timeframe. And he just started talking about all the great stuff going on at Emerge, the great culture, the great technology. Uh, I spent some time with our CEO, Andrew Leto. And uh, I just kind of fell in love with the technology and, and the culture that I was feeling. And so uh, made the difficult decision, you know, you're somewhere 17 years. It's not an easy decision to make, but uh have made the decision and have been here now for almost eight months. And so far it's been tremendous. So I I think you guys aren't shy about sharing this. How much, how much freight under management right now at Emerge? Yeah, it's uh, it's around 12 billion. And I know you have a goal of how many by the end of the year? 20 20 billion. So we've got some lofty goals, but we've had a, uh, a tremendous year this year from just an enterprise sales perspective. 
growth has uh, has been coming pretty pretty fast and furious, and, and I love being in that type of growth environment. Right. One of the things that I like about Emerge, and we'll talk a little bit, I don't want to be too much of an infomercial here, but I'll just throw this out there. Let's just say I'm a shipper, and I'll give it me. I'll use me as the example. I'm a shipper, and I need to do that freight procurement. So I say, okay, I got, let's just say, 10, 10 15 ship carriers that I work with. And I'm, now it's time to do my, let's just say, 100 shipments a week. And I say, I need to do an RFP because rates have changed. The rates come down. I'm going to do an RFP, do it once a year. I put all my lanes into an Excel spreadsheet, dump them out of my TMS. And then I um, I have a list of uh, the carriers I work with, but I need to market test them. So I got all these cards from broke. I got cards from uh, everybody and their brother. I've collected those. I put all those in an email and I send them my lanes and say, quote, <laughs> and maybe I say, I'm going to have a Zoom call so I can educate you about, you know, you and everybody else about what I'm doing. And most of those emails bounce. And a lot of other people kind of go, oh, thanks a lot. I'm not interested in working this way, right? A lot of them went to info at XYZ Carrier, right? Others went to Bob Smith, who left, left the company last month, right? So I send people who are carriers from, you know, the West Coast, my East Coast lanes. It's just there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's a clunky process that I will say shippers hate. They don't feel particularly good about it. Carriers are now increasingly saying, I've just got, I got, I got bid fatigue. I don't want to play this way anymore. And I will say this, I worked at a carrier for a short time. I remember the first time somebody sent me a list of like thousands of lanes. I was like, I I was dancing around my house. I thought I was going to be rich. And then I talked to the guy, the carrier, the the guy at the carriers, uh, my carrier ops team. They're like, well, we're interested in, and they, they sorted it real quick about seven of these lanes. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> I thought we'd do all of them, right? Nope. <laughs> but um, after a while, you start to realize if there's not backhauls behind it, if there's not, if it's not, if you don't feel they're serious, sometimes the first thought I had was, are you just market testing your current carriers? Like, do you care at all about me? Because you didn't call me. You just sent me an email with, you know, all these lanes. And at some point I get, I get lanes back, but I, I think vetting is a problem for that, right? I'm trying to figure out who's who. Am I, am I switching from like my existing carer that I like and trust for $18 savings with somebody I've never heard of? Or do I go to my existing carer and say, knock your rates down 25 bucks and you keep that lane? None of it feels right to me. And I know more and more companies as we get more sophisticated are saying, we can go out and buy. I think it, there's systems I can buy. I think Jagger is one of them. They're expensive, right? And I can put the, I can tie that to my TMS and pay them a lot of money, but they're not made for freight. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and so, so that's a bad process. And I think a lot of shippers live that bad process. Now, tell me why I should use Emerge for that process. It's it's very eye opening how many shippers are still using that exact process. You just Later. If you're managing your supply chain with Excel spreadsheets, it's time to upgrade. Absolutely. And upgrade with technology that is solely built for freight, not every commodity. So what would what would that process look like if I moved over to Emerge? 
First off, what are you going to charge me? So we're not going to charge you anything. That's a good start. That's a good start. We, we are going to walk you through the entire process until you feel comfortable with the technology. We're not going to drop the technology on you and walk away. We are going to partner with you throughout it until you feel comfortable using the technology. And then it's, it's so intuitive and so effective that you can then use it on your own daily if you wanted to. We will vet carriers for you and put them in our marketplace. You can use them. You don't have to use them. We've got 30,000 carriers that we can vet. So I want to bring my existing carriers with. You can definitely do that. So I bring over my 15 carriers and I want to, so now I use you guys for that RFP. RFP. It's So that software is meant for that, right? So I add all my carriers and then I add all my lanes and presto bingo, they, uh, they get hit with uh, please quote. For the most part, that's true. You can definitely invite your 15 incumbents. What I would encourage you to do is open up your viewfinder to carriers that normally wouldn't have access to your freight. You don't have to use them, but Joe, you will tell me, here are the qualifications that I require. The, the Take all of these qualifications and vet your carriers, and, and we'll funnel those down to 15 or 20 that really makes sense geographically, qualification-wise, service-wise, and, and they'll be in our marketplace. You can then use them if you want in the in the bidding process. So, so I can say, I want to quote my lanes with my existing carriers, but then you guys say, hey, Joe, here's, here's 20 other carriers who are interested in that lane. I can at least look at those prices, and maybe I'm enticed, and I say, look, these are already vetted companies too. Exactly, but I if I don't I imagine I would end up using some of emergence carriers, and that's how you guys make some money. But I don't have to use you at all. I mean, I can use your cool technology for free, and and what I understand from talking to past people from Emerge is people are doing RFPs now quarterly and even by the season. So like Christmas season coming, hey, we're gonna do maybe doing Christmas trees to say, hey, we're gonna do we're gonna do a Christmas tree in November, another one in December. Right. And one thing I think is very cool about our system, uh, we rolled out benchmarking capabilities back in May of this year. And so that allows you to, to decide what you should put out to bid and maybe what you shouldn't put out to bid. It's one thing to have the benchmarking, but our tool now actually makes suggestions on what to do with individual lanes. Let these rates ride, let these rates, you know, expire and let's redo those bids, you know, August 1st, maybe you do this bid and only have those rates effective for three months. So there's there's data behind it, there's benchmarking, and probably more importantly than both of those things is there are actionable insights and suggestions on what to do with each lane, which a lot of a lot of shippers struggle with. And that's I think that's predominantly why people do annual bids. They've just got into that process. They know the rates are going to expire. Carriers set their networks up around. It also takes up to a month people say, right? It can take a couple of months. I think it's a painful process and it's on top of managing your existing freight. It is. It's very time consuming. I know it can take anywhere from six to 14 weeks in some cases. <laughs> uh, I've seen us do large multinational shippers in in 12 days. You know, And that's from the day you introduce the carriers to the bidding tool to the day you award the lanes. I mean, that's, and time and speed really matter here. Yep. So let's switch gears. So one last thing. So if I use your RFP tool, which I can use for free, I can connect that to my TMS? You can. 
Yes, we can integrate into your TMS. And you guys have a TMS too? We do not have a TMS. Okay. I wasn't sure. I knew you guys were moving in that direction. I didn't know if you had one yet. But We have, we have TMS-like capabilities that we can certainly offer up small, mid-sized carriers, but we can definitely integrate into your TMS. But there's a lot of TMSs out there. That's not the, uh, that is not the hard part right now. The hard part is this RFP pro- process, which is which is broken. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's about time somebody gets to it. So let's switch gears. Today's topic with my friend Mark McIntyre is the secret sauce. Is the secret sauce just this cool new tech you guys have? I love the tech. And, and it's it's critically important to uh, solving this opportunity that's in supply chain. I believe the secret sauce is building longstanding trusted relationships and partnerships with shippers. And so I've spent a lot of my career building out processes and programs to uh, attack that piece of the secret sauce. And, right. uh, and so I'm, I'm anxious to talk to you about some of the things that I've seen, some of the things that we've done along the way. It's funny you should say that because before we hit record, we were talking about, you know, it seems like every every improvement in the freight business and in the supply chain business is because of digital technology, which we all love. And during the pandemic, we all went remote and we're all using Zoom and the world changed and technology was a big part of it. And, you know, you mentioned the secret sauce being relationships. I think we have an opportunity here to, uh, you know, if there's a lot of people who kind of think the technology is everything, and I'm going to just give you that technology, Mark, and I'm, you, I never have to talk to you again, but people still want to work with people. There's no doubt. Can you imagine the pandemic, how difficult it was? Can you imagine how difficult it would have been if we hadn't have had all this technology? So technology is, is certainly needed and, and ever-changing. But that is not where it stops. I mean, you have to have relationships and people behind the scenes working together. It's one of the things I missed the most during the pandemic was the the actual relationship part of getting together in person with customers, with partners, talking about their business. I really did miss that. And so one thing that we do at Emerge, and I love this about Emerge and you know, I think if you talk to our corporate communications, marketing people, they would tell you they hear this a lot from our customers. And that is, we don't just give you this cool technology, drop it on you, you know, tell you how to log in and walk away. We're going to meet you wherever you are in the technology journey. Like if you, if you're expert, you know, quick learner, you may not need us that much, but if you're not and, and you're, you know, kind of buried in spreadsheets and you need our help getting you out of that, you know, being buried in spreadsheets, we're going to meet you there. That means coming to see you. If that means being on the phone with you every day, assigning a team to it until you feel comfortable, we're going to make sure that happens because that is so critically important to getting off to a good start and building that relationship, which is a journey. You know, it starts off and trust takes time. It starts off as a partnership, but, you know, we want to make that thing eventually get to a trusted partnership. Yeah, yeah. You know, before we hit record, I was just saying this to you, and I really do feel this is true throughout my whole career. The people who kind of hold you at arm's length, whether you're they're the supplier or the uh, the customer, when they kind of hold you at arm's length, like, no, Mark, I don't need you to visit. Just send me an email with that. Just send me send me a spreadsheet with what we talked about. And then you're like, well, hey, look, I'd like to come over there and I'd like to have, let's have some lunch and go over things. Uh, you know, we're really busy. Uh, just, and, and by the way, I've had also suppliers who did that to me where they kind of were like, uh, not bad people. Nobody, I mean, we're not, I'm not being critical of their humanity. 
They just didn't think that was worth their time. They were too busy to meet. And and by the way, sometimes meetings get vilified where they're like, we, we can't keep having all these meetings. Sometimes it gets carried away. But I would say those in-person or at least Zoom calls so you can see people, they matter more than ever. And there's an old uh, book called Megatrends. Now it's really old. But I remember it was talking about this trend that they believed as we get more high tech, there's going to be a desire by people to be more high touch. And so high tech means more high touch because we're still humans. At least this generation, we're not fully implanted with the tech that we need yet. <laughs> Maybe your grandkids, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, you, you. I'm a huge believer in quarterly business reviews as many of those as in person as I can possibly get as right. high of level of individuals in the room as I can get so that we can set everything down and, and talk about the business and how we're driving value and where the opportunities lie and where we see the insights with your data that you don't, you don't necessarily see on your own. You need me to kind of bring those to you and you just can't, you can't do that through a spreadsheet or an email. You need inflection you need, you know, you just need that human touch. Right. So you kind of move into the next point here, which is building relationships is cool because it's a shorthand we have. But secondly, we're not doing it just because we like hanging out with our our friends. We're doing it because it leads to better results. Yeah, you do it for two reasons. And that's to drive results and for satisfaction, either satisfaction from the customer back to the partner, or maybe it's satisfaction of team members. They, they right. want to work on a well, well-oiled machine, a high effective, uh, and, and that's just going to be part of, part of the output here. By the way, I loved the customers that I used to be able to have quarterly business reviews with were great. I used to have with an LTL customer and was just still a good friend. We had weekly meetings and we would go over carrier scorecard and every one of the shipments that was late or screwed up, we would talk about. And one of the things we were a hundred percent open and honest, no, no ever lying about what went wrong. I used to joke to my team, when in doubt, just tell the truth. All right. No, no explaining why the carrier screwed up. No, it's us. It's all us all the time. And which by the way, built trust with our customer, but also those meetings would, we always talk about hockey. We talk about horses. <laughs> we talked about grandkids. We talked about marriages those people became our friends just through those weekly calls. And by the way, got great business results. We were able to constantly drive the cost down. Other people who we worked with who had just as much freight wouldn't talk to us. They didn't have time. And guess what? We didn't get the results. And and I kind of felt like, hey, you kind of know why we're not getting the results. And, and, and I think some people go, no, just send me that email. We'll just look at your TMS. I don't need it. I think over time in those quarterly business reviews, I, I think people on my side of the fence have kind of looked at me with their head half cocked, wondering why I'm I'm teeing up something the way I'm teeing it up because they might want me to spin it or or sugarcoat it. And I think I think the way to build those long standing relationships where you can have hot breath to hot breath conversations and still you know walk away you know, good friends is, is always being honest and telling people, you know, where the real elephants in the room are, you know, bad news doesn't get better with time. So, you know, just, just stand up there and, you know, and what people want to know is 
you've identified a problem. I call them opportunities, but that's not, that's not where it ends. You've got to come in and say. That's what happens when you become the senior exec. You start saying, oh, this is opportunities. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they don't want to just hear about the opportunity. They want to know what you're doing about it. And as long as you're willing to make a commitment, put a time bound around that, and give them consistent updates, nine times out of ten, you're going to get through that conversation really well. And uh, you're not going to spin it. It's going to help build trust. And, and all of this sets on trust. Make no mistake. Yeah. And by the way, everybody loves the kind of the instant impact of tech, right? You, I bring in, so if I bring in Emerge and I say, I'm doing my uh, my RFPs that way, man, I could probably have some pretty fast results. But I think where the 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 real results happen over time or the, the, the best results happen over time as you be- build better relationships. And I, I joke about this sometimes on my podcast, but uh, I feel this way. I've said to people many times when we're going to work together, we aren't dating. We aren't engaged. We're married. We're joined at the hip. And I think there, you know, if you're a, a carrier working with a shipper or a carrier working with a broker, that's kind of what I want because there's over time there's that relationship developed shorthand where I go, you know what? I know Mark. I know Mark is uh, off next week. He's having a grandbaby, or Mark's off next week. His kids going off to college. Whatever the story is, you start to know people, and I always say there's account familiarity where you say, "Oh yeah, that driver. He he doesn't like you to call him on the phone. He'll call us when he gets to the parking lot, or whatever it might be." You start to know those guys, and that you just start having that shorthand where the results happen faster and faster and faster. And I think if you don't set it up, it doesn't happen. So I know you talked about having like a, a structure or, or an organization to this thing. So you don't take a chance that it just, you're not waiting for it to happen organically. You're saying, no, we're, we're going to force this a little bit. There's no doubt about it. You have to have a, a structure around this. Uh, I've helped build that out and emerge over the last six months there's a lot of things to it, but I think for our for our purposes, I'll talk a lot about the quarterly business review. And so we want to set those up on a quarterly basis. We want to be very intentional about it. We want the highest level people on both sides in the room. We're going to bring data to that conversation, insights about the data, not only metrics that are backwards looking, but also forward looking metrics that, that tell us where we're going and and. And what are some of the savings opportunities that we can drive together? You know this. We talked about this earlier before we hit record. Every shipper in America has a cost out program that that they have to deliver to their organization every year. And typically it resets after 12 months and every project has to be new. You only get credit for the first 12 months of it. And so all the low hanging fruit is gone. And so shippers are looking to partners, and and I'm very intentional about saying partners. When I hear someone referred to as a supplier or a vendor, that could give off a negative connotation. So I try to change the the tone and the tenor of the vernacular and and call it a partnership. We want to be part of that scoreboard that you're sharing back with the executives every year on the savings that were driven in your business. When you show the scoreboard, we want to merge as part of that line item and a number by it that helps drive an ROI, helps make us more sticky. You know, if there's leadership changes on the shipper side, no one's questioning our value. We want to be very intentional about putting that up in front of people. And so 
done a lot of projects over the year. Certainly, we're very focused here on RFP, but you know, there's there's other types of projects like lead time analysis. There's mode. Oh, wait, what what is lead time analysis? So, how much time are you giving the carrier from the time you tender it to the time he's got to pick it up? Like, is it same day? Is it two days? Is it three right. days? And that that definitely matters. And so that's one part of lead time. There's also when is it produced and when does it have to deliver, and how many things have to happen in between to make that a successful ship. And so all that matters. And a lot of times people don't have the data around that. And so you can shine a light on it. Cube utilization is, is another really critical thing that I think a lot of people look at. And what do you mean by cube utilization? So if you're, if you're shipping packing material and, and it, you know, you want to get as much of that on a trailer as possible because your, your margins are razor thin, freight eats into that margin and so the more product you can put on that trailer, the better off. No half-empty trucks. Exactly. You don't want a half-empty truck. I think that's becoming more and more of a thing where people said no empty miles. Now you're like, hey, that's half-empty miles right there. That truck is pulling out half-empty. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think with, with the pandemic, there were a lot of shipments going out that were probably half-empty. You know, demand was really high for a lot of products. Supply was low. And so just... There's just a lot of things like that. Routing guide compliance is huge. We can help you with that for sure. Now, do you do those QBRs? Are those done by Zoom call or do you do in person or both? So my first ask is always uh, in person. That is not always possible, as you know. You know, it used to be quite possible. Now it's less and less. But uh, if we can't do it in person. On my podcast for the last year, I think, you know, we're at the tail end of COVID. And I kept saying that. And COVID was listening to my podcast and I got COVID again. Uh. So I'm not, I'm never saying it again. <laughs> COVID's a bitch. And, and I got, I had two shots and I even got the booster because I see my mom a lot and she's older. I got two, two shots, the booster, and I had COVID twice. Wow. And, but I, that's not even my biggest concern now. My bigger concern now is how bad the airline uh, biz is right now. And I'm not being critical of them. I know they've got their challenges. They lost people. They closed lanes. And then all of a sudden, they had to open them up again. Yeah, it's been a real challenge. Uh, for someone who flies a lot, it's been Yeah, I was challenge. just going to say, I know you're not at home today. So, yes. Anyway, I want to summarize some of this. We're talking with Mark McIntyre from Emerge. And we're talking about the secret sauce. And Mark says the secret sauce is relationships. And you said, not a vendor, not a supplier. You want to be a partner or ideally a trusted partner. You want to become that guy who's joined at the hip with the customer. And the reason isn't just because you want to hang out with friends. It's because this is how you drive business results. This is this is how you get to know the problem that you don't always talk about. So maybe you're at that QBR and they go, well, you don't have no idea. This is also a huge problem here. And you go, we can fix that too, right? That's a, We'll put that on our technology roadmap or we'll have an extra, you know, put an extra hat on or whatever it is. We do this because of business results. And then you said, we can't hope that this just happens. There has to be a structure. And you mentioned QBRs, maybe it's weekly meetings that are done or or, or maybe it's, monthly meetings, but there has to be some sort of cadence established, ideally up front. And you got to talk about all the, I, I think we're all becoming kind of data scientists. You mentioned lead time, cube utilization. This is the way we in the freight biz are going to have to add value because more and more of the technologies are picking up the, the, the rote stuff, the routine stuff is being automated. One other thing I want to talk to you about, we talked about this before we hit record. 
we bring in a technology like Emerge. And so that RFP process that took six to 14 weeks before, now I can do it four times a year, which is going to get me better rates. It's going to get me I'm managing the RFP process much better. That So it, now i got a cool technology. Now you mentioned that I can spend more time getting to know my carriers if I'm that shipper. And, and for the carriers, same thing. If I'm not kind of having to slog through this ridiculously clunky process, I can use some of that time, use this technology time savings to build those relationships. So these are not, it's not technology versus relationships. I think the technology can enable it. There's no doubt about it. You know, I I think that's the great thing about all supply chain technology and certainly what's going on at Emerge is it frees you up to go focus on other things, building those relationships. I mentioned this earlier to you when we were chatting. I think this is uh, incredibly important and I would encourage all your listeners to really think about this and be intentional about it. And that is typically if you're a 3PL, a supply chain tech provider, a carrier, you've got one single point of contact into that relationship. I think the best relationships I've seen are where that one contact opens you up to other people inside the organization right. so that you know the the functional leader of DC ops right. or production planning or inventory control, marketing, sales, because at the end of the day, if all you're focused on are trucks and maybe trains, you're you're kind of in a in a box. However, if you know all of these other individuals and you can listen to their opportunities, you might be able to give them some some guidance, some insights, maybe some technology that would help them solve some of their problems which just makes you much more valuable in the grand scheme of things with their entire organization versus that one single threaded person that you're tied to. Well, and also just from a practical perspective, we talked about this is when you know one guy at that company and you say, that's our, we only work with Mark. I don't even know who, I don't know who Mark works with. And then one day Mark goes, Hey, you know what? I'm out of here. You go, Oh, that's cool. Who's replacing you? Uh, You know, some young hot hot shot who's going to, (laughs) <laughs> look for opportunities to switch out all our vendors. You're like, no, no, hang on, please, Mark, before you go introduce us. <laughs> right. Yeah, not a position to be in. Not a position to be in. I want to summarize this, and I want to get your final thoughts on it. So we talked really this, this about the secret sauce. And again, when you talk to a guy from a technology company, your first thought is he is going to say the secret sauce is, is tech, but it is not tech. It's one of the secret sauce. Another another combo. So the secret sauce is relationships. And it's you mentioned, I don't want to be a vendor. I don't want to be a supplier. I want to be that trusted partner. Not dating, not 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 engaged. We're married. So and the reason we're doing this isn't just because we want to hang out with our friends. It's because this is what drives business results. And it also drives job satisfaction, not only for my team, but also for my my customer teams. People want to work with people still. I know we have cool technology, but building those relationships not only gets that business results, but hopefully makes people feel like they've got a a job that has some meaning behind it. Working with technology all day can get a little old. Last but not least, or no, not last, you talked about having some organization or structure to really drive this secret sauce, which is the QBRs that you insist upon, KPIs. We're going to bring data insights. We're going to become data scientists so we can have, when we meet with them, it's not just, can we take you to lunch? It's let us talk about your business, how we can improve it. And there has to be some cadence. And we want the right people in the room. And we want that 
ideally introduction to the adjacent areas. I want to know the finance people. I want to know the inventory management people, the warehouse people, everybody I can get to know because potentially I can add some value. And then last but not least is the technology enables this because we save time on the RFP. Potentially I can say, now I can actually talk to those carriers. I can vet them not only with all the, uh, the official stuff that we vet, but also get to know them and say, my, I had an old boss who said, he had a thing he said, I want to work with right thinking guys. So, and then he would say, those are RTGs. Those guys, they're RTGs. And what he meant by that is this is a good cultural fit for us. And that's what I want. Final thoughts on all this, Mark McIntyre. You know, if, if you follow this plan, if, if you start to think about it in, in these terms, you're going to see your partnerships flourish. You just are. As I mentioned, you know, don't hide from the bad news. Old news doesn't get better with time. Like It's not wine, wine. It doesn't get better with age. <laughs> just own it and then and then move on with, with your actions and your insights. I can't stress that enough. I mean, I think those types of relationships stand the test of time. Those people will be able to partner and want to partner with you to build out your technology because they have a unique view of the world. They, they have people calling on them every day. And so they see different types of solutions that maybe you don't. And so if they're a trusted partner and you're doing the right things, they'll come to the table when you want to talk about their business and they'll stop you to talk about your business. And you know, at that point, you've created the right culture, the right partnership, the right relationship that's going to drive you both forward. I've seen it work so many times, Joe. Um, it's really exciting when it does work. You you said it exactly right. People want to work with people. The only thing I would add to that is people want to work with people that they trust. Right. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that because when people come on my podcast, I always say this. The, the, I think the advantage of podcasts is if your personality comes through the guest. And people want to work with people they know, like, trust, relate to on some level. And, you know, we get a vibe really quickly where you go, I, I don't trust this guy. This guy's too slick or this gal is speaking in jargon. I don't think she understands or he doesn't understand. And you mentioned also just being open and honest. The, the fastest way to lose a relationship is to say, oh, no, I didn't do that. That, that uh, Somebody else made that mistake. And you go, oh, I can't trust this guy. He won't take responsibility for what he did wrong. Never deflect. Never deflect. Yeah, and I, I said it before we hit record. I used to say to guys who work for me, hey, guys, when in doubt, just tell the truth. You know, it makes it, it's, it's also, if you say, look, we did 200 shipments for you this week and two of them went wrong. Okay, that's the nature of this business. And set those expectations. You know, just these are human relationships. And if you don't bring the things that humans want, they aren't going to react. One thing I'll never get accused of is being too slick. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm at least ahead on that. No, no. See, that's you. These Southerners are really slick because you always say you're not slick. That's the <laughs> Anyway, we talked a lot about this RFP for shippers. I know there's some advantages that. Uh, Emerge brings two carriers too. So I want you to talk about that before you roll. Yeah, you know, the, the equation is shippers and carriers. You can't have one without the other. And and we are very, very much focused on the carrier side of the equation as well. Those who have the carriers at the end of the day are going to win. 
And so we want to be very carrier friendly and drive value for them. Uh, we've got an entire team focused on nothing but the carrier side of the business. And we're opening up opportunities for those carriers that they wouldn't get on their own. And, you know, maybe not necessarily the large multinational carriers, but maybe the small, mid-sized carriers. Maybe it's a carrier that's got three or four trucks, and he's never going to get access to this Fortune 100's freight ever. And so we give that person, that carrier, the ability to come into our marketplace and and be vetted. They could never just call into this shipper and, and get in the routing right. route. It would never happen. And so this gives them a chance to to do that, fill lanes that are really important to them in their network, do a great job, and then grow from there. I think it's, you know, that's that's where a lot of carriers start. It's it's almost a, let me go in there and do a little proof of concept for you, show that I can deliver value for you, deliver service, and then grow from there. I've seen so many carriers grow their business by doing that. And so I think we're giving people a forum and, and a technology that will allow carriers to do that. Yep. I love the I love the process because again this you, there's the network effect, you know it, when I came to uh, third party logistics probably 2009, I've been an automotive guy most of my career, and I remember the 3PL I worked at. I asked the owner, why don't the shippers go directly to the carriers? Why are they going through us? And he said, because they can't find them. And I was like, well, isn't that what the internet's for? And he goes, yeah, uh, theoretically, but it. We're not there yet. Yeah, I think with Emerge, we are there yet because and and that's not to say that you, I'm, I'm nothing against brokers or three PLs, but when you find a company like Emerge that says, "Hey, they were tech tech centric company, and we're going to connect shippers to carriers, and we're going to just vet them, and we're going to we're going to we're going to add that you that what it kind of speaks to the market is you better be adding value in the middle because there's somebody who's using this network effect, so. That's why you guys are going to be twenty billion in freight before long. Yeah, I, I hope the next time we're talking, we're there, and I, and I suspect we will. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Mark McIntyre, for taking the time. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll also put a link to Emerge and anything else I get from uh, Emerge Marketing. I'll put that in the show notes. But thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Looking forward to, to uh, talking to you again soon. All right, Mark. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.